you find yourself at the bottom of a well. A dark, deep hole. All around you, the walls so close, so steep, wet and dripping. And above you, you see a small circle of sky, a circle of light, but it's so far away you can't possibly reach it. And you hear the voices of all the people going about their day, going about their lives in the sunshine. And you, trapped in this well, they cannot hear your pleas. They cannot hear your cries. And they cannot sense your despair so alone at the bottom of that well. And I don't know how you got there, whether you fell in or whether you jumped or whether you, um, how else could you get in a well? Oh, I know. Oh, what, Lou? You could float in. Float in? Yeah. Let's say you were robbing an airplane like D.B. Cooper. You get all the stuff and then you jump out with your parachute and you float down and you think you're going to land next to the well. That's your plan. But instead... You miss it by a few feet, and you go right into the well. Well, you're still kind of falling. That's like a controlled fall. Is it, or is it a float? And then the parachute covers the top of the well, so that's the worst scenario. Uh, I know a way. Oh, uh, what is it, Butchie? You could be born there. What? So let's say your mother falls in or jumps into the well, and then you're born into the well. Oh, okay. And statistics say a lot of people who were born in a well and then subsequently uh, rescued choose to return to the well because it's familiar. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I think we're straying really far now um, from my original point, which was kind of like I was using being in a well as a metaphor for depression or, or despair. You know, depression also means like if you put your thumb in silly putty, you make a depression. And that means that you're in a, a pit or something. I think, I don't know. I'm so sorry. I'm not a psychologist. I'm just going to be keeping you company in case you're in the well. In fact, I don't think you want your, your, your therapist in the well with you. That's just like, oh, my goodness. You know, I'm used to seeing you in your office. And I'm going to be honest. The well is kind of almost like a, a, like a private spot, you know. And sometimes when I'm in the well... I, it's not that I like it, but I can scream and uh, not disturb people. And so it's a great place to express yourself viscerally. And what's better than just a gut-wrenching scream and cry, expressing your grief and your reaction to the madness of the world and the oppression of life? Oh, life itself can just seem like a horrible, cool, sadistic scenario, doesn't it? Where you just come into it with beautiful pureness and hope, and there is nowhere to go but the grave. Oh, you're making it sound sad. How is that helping depressed people? Oh, well, I see your point. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you are feeling down, uh, you, you think, well, I can't ignore the reality of the suffering of life. That's so real. And if anybody's telling me, oh, it's fine, just don't ignore it, you can't. And so you do face it, but then what do you do? What do you do with it once you see it? Oh, my goodness, that's why I'm going to be here for you for a little while in the well with you, and we're going to try different things. One of the things I'd like to try, which I've never tried when I've fallen into the well, is licking the sides of it. I don't know whether that'll do any good, and I think it might taste pretty bad. Who knows? I've been in a lot of, like, uh, uh, caves, you know, where they have stalagmites and stalactites, and the, there's a, a, a wetness, you know, to these, what is it? I, I, I forget the, the, the substance, you know, but it's calcium or something secretes from the uh, limestone, or I don't know. Don't... Don't quote me. And uh, uh, builds these things, stalactites and stalagmites, and, and walls, these kind of glistening walls. And to me, they almost look like maybe they're cake frosting. And so I've always wanted to kind of lick it to see, but I'm sure it just tastes like stone. And, you know, licking a stone, I don't think can hurt you, you know, especially if it's in a cave where there's not a lot of things growing. And uh, so, you know, I don't know whether that 
that would be helpful. But anyway, I'm just listing things we could try. Another thing we could do is just, I, which I can look in your eyes and sense, is maybe just sit quietly. Sometimes I pick that up when I'm, I'm helping people. I descend on them. I say descend on them because it is if you're in a well. Say, hey, I'm, all, I'm here not to cheer you up, but to just keep you company in your sorrow. And you say, well, you know, frankly, I could use cheering up instead of, you know, just uh, helping me maintain my sorrow. Oh, okay, I didn't know. I don't know. I don't want to offer something uh, that's uh, inappropriate because I know I, I ex experience uh, terrible sadness and despair and, and, and depression. And uh, we all don't go through it at the same time. Thank goodness. Or well, that would be terrible. It would be more efficient, though, if there's just one day, like President's Day, everybody just be despondent. And then when next day, maybe everything be okay again. I wish the biology worked that way, that you could schedule things. But oh, my word, the human heart and mind. Oh, our poor souls. I like to, uh, there's, there's something though about being, I've been in the, in the depths of despair and, and, and grief. And there's been a glimmer of, of absurdity. Like more than a, and it reveals itself and the absurdity reveals itself and it's almost funny and it almost feels like a secret weapon against the despair and against the realities of life you know which we are have imposed upon us it isn't it isn't really necessary to accept reality in the same way it's not really necessary to accept that it's raining outside because it's raining outside. So you don't have to believe it. It's going to happen anyway. So uh, sometimes I suspend my belief of, uh, of reality. And I imagine uh, that my absurdity is challenging to this predictable system. And uh, I like, I, want, I pretend to, I use my imagination a lot of times to get me out of has basis, and I like to think that sometimes I'm fooling the gods. They say, isn't there just one God? Well, if you have an imagination, it's really great to have multiple ones. I don't think it's uh, blasphemy if you're a member of a religion or anything. You know, I, I just, I do it just so I don't um, lose despair. <laughs> but um, that's what I imagine, that they're foolish. You know, because that's the only explanation I can come up with is what the ancient Greeks and all came up with, which is like, I don't know who's running things, but they're nuttier than my neighbors. And they're just kind of your neighbors with superpowers. That's who the Titans are and the, and the gods. Um, they're just wacky. They're just like the ropers, except they can move mountains and, and reverse time. Was that even in Three's Company? I don't, I don't know. The Ropers are from Three's Company, if you didn't realize. What is that? Oh, that is the, uh, the, the great mythology of the future. We just think they're TV shows now, but in the future, people misunderstand everything, and that's their Bible stories. So I, I have a time machine, so I know this. But it's one of those cargo cult things where somebody finds a TV guide thousands of years from now and they go, oh, Archie Bunker. Uh, you know, so I don't, uh, you know, I want to get a jump on it a little bit and I choose the ones I like. And so I, I make my pantheon out of, you know, the cast of chips or something. Or what's a more recent ghosts? That's when you kids are watching. <laughs> Not really. It's a new sitcom for the elderly. I like that. They can do that all the time. W what age people watch these new funny shows? It's hard to say. The vampire one has a, a wide age range, I think. I think that everybody from, you know, from 13 to 30, and then it stops for a while, and then picks up again at 35 to 45, then I think it stops for a while. And then, you know, to 65. And then people who are 67, 68 don't care for it. And then when you're 70 again, you think this is fantastic. So I don't know. A lot of shows are like that. The modern ones. And I, I don't always uh, think the same things are funny. 
two days in a row. I want to laugh at different things. And I laugh for different reasons. Sometimes I laugh because something is absurd. And, you know, 90% of comedy is something that's unexpected, right? You know? But, uh, um, so there's a, a couple of things that go into whether something's funny. Unexpected. So somebody has some gas or something when it's inappropriate. And you might giggle. But I don't think that's funny. So that wouldn't be enough. I would say if so, somebody would have gas and then the, the gas, like, sounds like something witty. You know what I mean? Like, you ever have a, a squeaky door or something that goes, My name is Fred, or something. It just sounds like something. Like, I can imagine a gas emanation sound like, you know, or something. I don't know, like somebody talking. And then that would make me laugh. Um, gosh, I've been to a lot of... Uh, Stand, I've talked about stand-up, but I'm not against stand-up comedy. In the same way, I'm not against experimental classical music. I'm just saying it's not always easy to get the result you want, um, especially with very little experience. And there is, a, there is an idea that natural ability or the ability to make your friends laugh, friends who might have been hit on the head a lot and also are drunks, is going to translate to making people you've never met laugh or something or finding some common denominator that's going to, you know, different people are going to uh, titter at the same thing. Now, last week, was it last week? I don't even remember time. I played some of my records, and one of them I played was Frank Fontaine from uh, Jackie Gleason show and uh, the one in, uh, in the bar or something. I vaguely remember this. I'm not that old. I am now, though. That's something that's funny. I wasn't when I started, but I was still talking about old people things. I feel like I feel like Grandpa Jones or something. Do you know what I mean? He's like dressing up. Grandpa Jones was like dressing up as a grandpa at like 30. And then, you know, eventually didn't really have to, to dress up much. Same Charlie Weaver. So I, I, uh, uh, I digress, but that's what I do. Um, oh, my gosh. So uh, we're talking about. What were we, we talking about? I wasn't talking about nothing, man. You're just going on and on. I'm so, I'm so sorry. And I forgot you're in the well. That's the thing. A lot of times I forget how, what I'm there to help do, you know. Uh, you bring somebody food or something and you want to impress them and what they really just need is nourishment. And you're bringing them all sorts of fancy stuff. And I don't want baked Alaskan. You know, I just need a casserole. And I hope I can bring you an emotional casserole or something funny. I don't even know. I shouldn't try to be to be particularly funny. Um, gosh, that'll backfire. Mm. What I try to be is sincere and then approach funny, you know, on the sly from a cringe angle or something. You know, you can try to be, sometimes if you, if you try to be sincere, uh, you're laughable. So I might go for that. Uh, I can do it without any kind of self-deprecating uh, motives because I don't know I'm doing it. And you can laugh at me with impunity. And that's the wonderful thing about radio is you can laugh at me or with me or you can curse me. And your soul might not be affected unless I hear it. If it gets back to me, that might be problematic. Oh, my goodness. You know, what is karma? I don't know. I, I know a little bit. But I will say this. Your, your, your all action uh, bumps into something else. It's just, it's impossible for you to, to sort of do anything, say anything throw something out there in the universe to have it not create a, a cause, you know, to be the cause of something. So there's going to be, you know, if you flick a domino, it's going to hit another one. So uh, when you say things, let's say purposely hurt somebody, I'm going to say something or hurtful or I hate this thing or I'm going to chime in. Nobody asked me whether I like the thing, but I'm going to, you know, I'll show them. I think maybe... They think they're good. I'm so sick. God, people say stuff like that. I'm so sick of this podcast. These people on this podcast. Oh, I hate them. I'm so sick. Well, you know, oh my goodness. That's strong. 
Uh, and if you were to let them know, I'm not sure that you would be less likely to have them in your lives. You know, now you're sort of like entwined a little bit. So, and it may not have the effect that you want it to have. And I think a lot of people think, well, if I criticize this artist, maybe they'll just stop making art. And then I won't have to see it when, I, when I'm flipping channels. Oh, I hope nobody is that uh, wants to protect themselves that much uh, from different things that might annoy them or challenge them. I keep, I try to have a very, uh, I try to have an understanding that I'm not really, uh, what, what am I trying to say? No one's particularly interested, in my opinion, about everything. And if they are interested in my opinion about something specific, I'm going to figure their ask me. So I try not to, and I, they, I guess the internet, a lot of times people think what the internet is, is it's, we all, it's asking us all what we think. So everything is there for us to go, you know, uh, yes, no, up, down. Here's what I think about it. Here's my evaluation. Um, like you're a little bitty genius. Everybody's a little bitty genius, little bitty expert. And that expertness, that genius is uh, transferable to all disciplines and realms of knowledge. I've actually seen that from you know, scholars and everything. You might be a, if you're a really successful scholar in one discipline, like biology or something like that, you're, you know, I don't know, but you're sitting around having a cocktail and you think, you know, maybe I'm also a genius in, you know, and then you pick something else that you're not really an expert in. But what if I just bring my genius mind to it and then I can solve any problem? Ask me a question. You know, well, I'm thinking about buying a car. What brand should I buy? Well, let me apply my genius mind. You know who used to do that is uh, Marilyn Voss Savant, the smartest woman ever in the world. Um, the smartest woman ever in the world. She was amazing. She was so smart, she had a newspaper column, which a lot of people do not have. But um, so she had this newspaper column, and she would ask, it's like, ask, you know, ask a genius, ask anything, anything of her. And she would, uh, she would either already know it or she would use a giant IQ to look it up. And this is the thing. This was before the Internet, so I don't even know how she got these things. I think she'd call like, like a librarian or something like my friend Bland. And, you know, and then he'd go, oh, I have to look it up. Um, <laughs> first of all, I do have a friend named Bland, and he is a librarian. And I won't tell you what town in South Carolina... Uh, uh, a very old dear friend and he's good at it he's a good musician and sometimes I make up people but he's real I like librarians and so I've had some as friends and then there's one I have a, a librarian he's a librarian at the at the dark library of evil in another dimension and I've visited it a couple times because they have a like an antiquities room, like, you know, you can look at the volumes, you can't take it out or anything. And uh, one of them is printed on uh, the skull of, of my ancestor. Um, and he, his name is Enoch the Sleestack. And you think, I didn't know you were part Sleestack. I didn't either until 23 and Me. Isn't that crazy, the stuff you learn? And I was like, how much, because it'll say like, you know, you're, you're, you're French, you're German, and it'll be say, other lizard. Yeah, what's that? And then it'll tell you, you know, it could be lizard from Ireland or wherever. I don't know where they are. But they're all over the place. And uh, this one was a, a slee stack from Land of the Lost. Where's Land of the Lost? Well, I've been, a lot of, there was a fella on Joe Rogan who said it was just off the coast of the Canary Islands. Canary Islands are named after dogs, by the way, and not canaries. Learn that on the same show. So there, the land of loss is there. So that's where Marshall, Will, and Holly went. That's his last name. I forget, but don't they say that? That's their last. It'd be like White Hardy and something. 
Anyway, I don't know much about history. As you, I know we're in a well. I'm trying to help you with your depression and despondency. I don't think I'm doing it very well. I understand how hard this is. I'm debilitated by it. My mind, my brain is useless. And I, I've struggled. Oh, my goodness. And um, I can't manage to do a lot of things uh, because of, of, uh, of that. Uh, but uh, I can do this. I can keep you company. And I can be on the radio, too. I'm really like your roommate at the institution. It's a lovely institution. I don't know the difference between a sanitarium and a sanatorium. Do you? I do. Okay, say it in the comments. No, I'm kidding. You know I don't like that. I don't like any accurate information in the comments. It makes me nervous. Because we don't like, uh, you know, we don't want to. Gosh, facts. They're all over the place. They're overrepresented. What we're trying to do here is get away from them, but not tell people that. Uh, here's the difference between me and somebody who's misrepresenting truth is I'm not misrepresenting truth. I am pro lie, and we're here to lie. That's it. We know that. Uh, I even say the true things I say are not true, just in case. Because I don't want to mislead anybody. I don't want to mislead anybody. Because you know what? Because I don't know anything. And sometimes I tell myself things that are wrong, especially if I'm depressed and everything. You should hear the things that I think are true when I'm really despondent. But I'm trying to move away from something. You know, a lot of times I'll say, what you need is self-love. And you do, and you do, and you do. But what, what I'm trying to move away from is both self-loathing and self-love what do you mean well i'm not moving away from love and i'm not moving away from caring for myself but i'm trying to get away from having some kind of duality in me like there's two of me you know i i hate hardy what like there's only one me so i'm trying to get to a place of just a subject verb you know hardy loves right and or Hardy does this, or Hardy does that, but not to himself necessarily. I'm going to try to be more integrated, unless uh, I, I don't want to completely let myself dissipate and not have any sense of self or anything. But when I'm when I'm outside myself, it feels better. When I lose myself, it feels a lot better. You know that can happen in nature. You know people experience it when they experience uh, numinous. Experiences, numerous experiences, that's another word for vacation. So you're sitting at uh, the beach and you're looking at something, a vast expanse of ocean. And you get a feeling of something that's huge and encompassing and wholly other. And um, then, you know, you can have a this kind of almost spiritual experience but what's happening a little bit is that you're you're sort of dissipating into the larger world and you go wow I'm, I'm i'm part of this big thing and all the little details of my life you know are just that i'm not any different from these other little strange creatures running about with their very important uh, missions you know i watch if you're a bug watcher like me and um I have a hard time doing harm to insects because I watch them and I come become really invested in what they're doing, you know, and I, it seems really tragic to stop them because the, there are a lot of them are doing very, very futile things, you know, these little frail Sisyphuses, you know, the, uh, rolling their dung balls or anything. I don't want to uh, interrupt them in the middle of this. It's a, a wonderful thing and they're, they're lost in the moment. And I'll let them continue to, uh, to, to do that. Uh, it is not for me to determine whether what they're doing is futile or not. And I'm not sure that futility exists. Because, in a, because there's time, everything is futile. So if you're in a futile system, there's no such thing as a task being futile. There's no point to anything. So all the things within the futile life are indeed. So you can do anything. Roll. It doesn't matter whether you're going to. It's all rolling a boulder up a hill that's going to slide back down. Nothing isn't that. So get into boulder rolling. That's what I feel. Eating is like that. 
you know, cooking and everything. Cooking is the most temporary thing in the world. I made some fabulous noodles the other day, just perfect, a perfect bowl of ramen, and it got eaten. And it was supposed to get eaten. And then it got turned into poo. And then that's it. And uh, it's like, well, that was futile because it just got turned into poo. Yeah, but it gave energy. Yeah, but you already used the energy. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So I'm trying to do a thing. So we're in this well. It's very small. Using your imagination, really feel like you're in a well. I'm saying that there's no walls there. There are no walls there. They're gone. They expand out. There's no walls. We're not in a well. Everybody's in the well. Everybody's down here with us. It's huge. The well is so large. The whole world's in a well. Could you imagine? I guess we're, we could be all be in a big black hole or something. We'd be crushed and destroyed. Maybe we're crushed and destroyed and we're just thinking about what happened. Maybe we're, we're, we're just uh, in the in information part of the stuff. We're living in an event horizon. We're all just, uh, we think we're still alive. Uh, no, that's not possible. See, doesn't have to be. Listen, there was a Disney movie, The Black Hole, and they just went ahead and drove in there. And at the time, I was like a teenager. I'm thinking, I know this is not possible. I was really, I was really offended. And then I went and looked at the rest of the Disney movies, and all of them are scientifically inaccurate. Every single Disney movie. And I realized I needed to, to lighten up. And, uh, you know, the point of uh, imagination is, is, is something beyond reality. I like things that are beyond reality or super real, uh, hyper real. I like things that are surreal. I like things that are unreal. So you can fix it all sorts of ways. Gosh, there's all sorts of ways to fix noodles or flour. You can, did you know you can make flour from anything? I figured that out because of that giant thing where he's making it from bones. And I was thinking, why couldn't, why wouldn't you make it from bones? I wonder. Now, bones of an Englishman, where do you get those? I believe Richard III was buried in a, was, they found him in a parking lot. I could be totally, totally wrong about this, but I think a few years ago, they dug up a parking lot in England and found, I think it was Richard III, it could have been Laurence Olivier, which is the one with the, with the disfigurement. Or the I don't want to I don't want to be ableist or anything I don't know he had something on his back could have been a lot of times back then they would wear their cloak over their backpack and people would go like oh you got a hunch and they go yeah I think you're an idiot that's I'm just a hunch though um, you know don't comment on my appearance please that's so kingly a lot of kings would say that and then they'd have your head cut off I was gosh I was just reading I don't mean to bring this up it's so dark though father brown i'm reading i was reading a father brown not the tv show's great right but it's weird because it's set in the 50s but the, you know the books are like turn of the century or something so it feels like a totally different father brown to me the 50s thing is goofy um but i'm reading it and in one of them there's a decapitation they find a corpse and then they nudge him and they go Wah! the head rolled off and then they're thinking about like how do you I love British mysteries because they're like, oh, dear, there's a headless corpse. They don't get really too upset. Another body. So they see this head rolling around and everything like that. And uh, so I went to bed, you know, thinking of, like, just heads and skulls and things like that. And thank God it was a funny dream, you know, and not, and not, and not an awful one. So... Um, how is it funny? <laughs> Have you never been to the circus? Some things that are scary can be made hilarious. You know, there is a um, there is a funny, absurd side to all of this, and I'd I'd love to just use it when I need it, like medicine. Uh, I feel I've always felt I always was told, "Oh, you're so sensitive." As as a children, I was like that. Um, somebody would die, a pet would die or something, and, you know, I'd lose it. And they go, oh, you're so sensitive. I go, sensitive? What are you? Are you what? <laughs> is, it really, is it really sensitivity? So, um, 
And it wasn't what they call oversensitive. It was when you're thin-skinned. You know, check that back. I wasn't like that. I believed awful things that people said about me, so I didn't react like that. Now I don't. Now I can't hear them, which is wonderful. So if you do say something, I just smile because I think you said something about Shemp. And go, me too. Like, what? I just insulted you. I didn't hear it. Um, oh, my goodness. Listen to me. I forgot, to, I forgot about you. I, I'm so eager to help. I get so self-centered. My goodness. Here I am going on and on about my, my pain. And uh, I forgot to ask you, how, how are you feeling? Not too good. I'm still pretty sad and lonely. Yeah. Nobody likes me. I don't. That's a man. I could tell you. I could parse that all day long. Because uh, that's not that's one of those things that's neither true nor false. It's a it's a perception thing. It's you almost never know. <laughs> so I would say if you're in a state, and this has happened to me just recently, this is why I'm trying to share because I don't even know. I'll never tell you what to do, but I will tell you like how I did a thing. Because I think that's useful. And then you hear a bunch of different people and you might go, nah. But then like enough people do that and you would say, well, that might work for me. So that's what I'm doing. I'm not telling you do this and you'll feel better or anything. But sometimes things that work for me are like, you know, uh, not giving voice to the bad feelings. Not trying to determine what it is. Especially if it just is obviously... uh, self-defeating because what I try to remember is I would really prefer to feel better you know I guess that's still in the tiny little back of me even when I'm really just in agony I think about it really like will really crapping on my self-help and I don't think so if it did I would it's like rub rub your own crap on your feet I would do that uh if I thought that would help or I'd walk, I could walk barefoot in my backyard and just get, let the dog poo do whatever. And if that was health and healed me, I would, I would do that. But since I'm already suffering, I think, like, well, I'm not going to pile on me. But that's the whole thing if you're two people. Like you don't, I don't even know whether the other hardy, you know, always has my best interest in mind. So it does help to have, to have Lou and Butchie, um, and Butchie, I've given permission to just tell me to shut up whenever, you know, not, it doesn't have to explain to me, I trust Butchie. I don't have to think, well, Butchie's telling me to shut up, Butchie hates me too. If I started even saying that to him, I can't imagine, I would just feel like an idiot the minute it was coming out of me. You don't really love me, Butchie. He just, he'd look at me like, what does that even mean? You're talking nonsense. So uh, that's good, you know. Maybe have just replace one of your voice selves with like a little uh, friend <laughs> or a big friend or somebody that says things that are better for you. That's what I do. Do you? I do. And I thank you for doing that for me, Lou. You're always there for me. Not true, but I, I love it that you're deluded. Okay. I know, right? That's fine too. And that, well, that's, I have a problem with sentimentality too, I gotta tell you. I get, you know, oh, somebody was so nice to me. I can make myself weep, you know, just feeling like rescued if somebody shows me compassion uh, when, I'm, when I'm vulnerable. I feel overwhelmed sometimes. So, uh, you know, that, I don't know how great that is too. I, uh, so I'm trying to reach some kind of happy medium which is a wonderful phrase, and people have made fun of that for a long time because it has, has different meanings because a medium can be like a clairvoyant or something. So people who pun that latch on to um, homophones. A lot of homophones are awful. They really are pun fodder. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they... You leave homophones around and they're going to be a, they produce eventually a kind of stench because you know somebody's going to come around. 
and dad their meaning. And, and that hurts. There was, a, I believe it was an Oliver Sacks book. He would, oh, I loved his books. And he'd have little vignettes about different people who had, you know, different parts of their brain were wonky. And there was somebody who was in an accident and after which they began to pun incessantly because they'd, they'd lost a little bit of the emotional connection to speech, to, to, to communication. So when, when you were talking to them, they're, they're listening to the words, they hear the words, but the, the meaning is less important to them. And so they're punning, they're, you know. Um, and I had a friend that, it's coincidentally, it's the same friend that I mentioned earlier, but uh, incessant punning. And you go, you're not listening to what I am saying. And that can be um, annoying, but it's also very interesting. And I, I use it to get myself out of obsessive thoughts sometimes, to detach and to make myself laugh which I sometimes can do, and sometimes I, I can't. My goodness, all I want a lot of times is acknowledgement. Because you know, I know that if I, I, probably, I don't even know what I need, so I can't ask you for something specific. And unless, even if you read my mind, you wouldn't be able to help me because I'm in my mind and I don't know what I want. So sometimes I just want acknowledgement of my struggle. Or can I lean on you until I'm strong enough? And I'm thinking maybe you need that sometimes. And if it's from a stranger, well, then so be it. You know, if you have to connect with somebody you don't know or wait for them to say things that you hope are true for other people, but you think, am I particularly weak? Am I deficient? Am I, you know, what is it? Uh, and it's easy to feel that way. But I'm telling you, no, it's the human condition. And we're all affected by it in, in a lot of different ways. And it plays out in a lot of different ways. But all the things are, you know, are real. The struggle's real. And the joy is about perspective, I guess. And because um, I insist when I'm at my darkest that I have lost my appreciation for joy. And then the next time I experience it, I think, I did not think this, this was going to happen. You know, I... I it doesn't even require hope. It's just evidence. It keeps happening every once in a while. Now, it's not a constant joy, you know. But I'll take a glimmer. Oh, I'll take just that light coming through the well when I'm at my darkest. It's still some sort of hope. And I can think, well, maybe if I can just get my strength together. You said, well. I know. Be quiet. Then I can maybe do that thing where you walk up like you press your feet against the side of the well. This gets scarier as you go up in the well because if you fall, you know, then you're dead at the bottom of the well. So, but you know, that thing where you shimmy out or I guess you could, God, there's only a bucket. Did you hear about that well? Where, and I heard this on In Search Of. Okay, I'm sure it's true. So there was this well that one day they go and they dip the bucket in and it comes up gravy. Really? Yep. Not water, gravy. That's really weird. How'd that happen? Somebody poured in there? No, what happened is, I guess, like an animal fell in, and then it got really, really hot in there, and then, I guess, like some cornstarch and salt fell in. Who knows? But then, when they pulled a bucket up, voila, thick, delicious gravy. Mmm, delicious. I don't know about that. Well, that's very bizarre. So it's not always water. You could be stuck down there in gravy. Could be a mixed blessing, I guess. Mm. Um, well, there's all sorts of things. If there's water there, you could... There's all sorts of things you could add to it. You could add something to it that turns... You know, have you ever added like these little pellets or something? And it goes... And then it absorbs all the water. And then it forms this like spongy thing. And then it propels you right out of the well. Maybe one of those compressed sponges that you used to get at like expos. So people give you your business card and you go, is this a business card? It feels kind of weird. And you go, just add water and it expands into a sponge and it can never be a business card again, but then you have a sponge. Take that technology is what I'm saying. And you throw that into the well and then the, as the sponge, you just ride it to the top. Hmm? 
That could happen. Or you're thirsty. There's all sorts of powders you can add to water to make them into juices. That is a thing. That exists. You can make them into milk. You could make it into chocolate milk, strawberry, quick, makes you sick, just the way they say, and the, um, and then makes you jump up and jump around, too. You don't want that. But it could if you jump, if, if strawberry quick could enable you to jump high enough to jump out of the well. Well, you can, or we can just crawl out. You know, the, the thing with masonry is it has, gets little uh, gaps in it. It'll dry out or something. Little pieces will come out like brick. You've seen the mortar comes out of the brick. Well, in those little gaps in the beginning, you put your fingers in, we can, we can climb up like that. And I made little things for your shoes, little pointer things. And uh, I brought those with me when I came down the well. Now you're thinking like, a, uh, Hardy, if you came down the well, why can't we use the way that you came down to get out of here? Well, we are going to do that. Give me 20 more minutes because I feel like I've got a, <laughs> this is so embarrassing, but I got a bit of a captive audience. And uh, just no, suffice it to say, we're getting out of here. Um, but we're going to have a little fun down here first. Now, most wells nowadays are just a big pipe and it's covered on top and you don't see, they're not, they don't have that brick circle around them with a little house on top of the brick circle and the little crank with the rope and the bucket. That's the classic one that I remember from all my children's books and everything. I've literally never seen one in real life like that. But um, maybe it's something at like, you know, Hobbit Village or but never a real working one. The wells I've seen go, this is our well. And it just looks like a steel plate on the ground. Yep. And that, that would be the well. Or the pump, you know, the... the um, pump thing water pump like in westerns or some people's houses that's a way to get it too and that's a well and it's just a big and that's harder to fall down because the dynamic is only like four inches across however if you honey the shrunk the kids you might fall down it so again it's all sizes relative and or insect friend might go down there what is it what is it little beetle man i better help me out okay let me get a string or something and you cling to the string with your pincers why what your pincers i don't know what they're called my my jaw i don't know i want to help you beetle and uh somebody was half paul mccartney was half he was in my touching his half listening to the radios who's talking to me no i'm not talking to you uh sir paul um but i meant uh the other the traditional spelling of beetle and, uh, but oh, you wonder who's listening to the radio show. I'm just going to get, hey, I don't want to call you out, but hello, celebrity. Yes, I see you. Yeah, I know you're there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I see you listening to the radio. Oh. And, um, um, oh, and now I've chased you off. I'm sorry. It just does regular people now. Bless us, though. Oh, I feel like we're the salt of the earth, don't you? That's why I love this station is in the most beautiful place on earth was Jersey City. What are you talking about? Well, in many ways it is. And I'd rather not, I'd rather be on no other place radio area. Uh, as you can see. <laughs> and you won't be. I know. <laughs> You're the perfect fit. I am. I really do think I am. I, lo I love the listeners. I love most, I love FMU listeners who don't like me because I like the station as much as they do. So we have something in common. Maybe we have that in common. Maybe I don't like me either. No, that's not true. But um, although I don't listen to the show very often, I'm so embarrassed. But uh, it is uh, wonderful because the people I hear from are, we have something in common usually. Usually because of the station, it's a curiosity or a, a willingness to put aside our expectations and open ourselves up to new experiences and to not block those. And that involves giving the artist the benefit of the doubt and withholding judgment. Because you can see that the people that, you know, oh, those people are Philistines, and that those are the ones that usually judge before they've even thought about the thing 
you know, like they, like a, you stand in front of a Rothko or something and they go, what's this garbage? I go, you just, you've been here 10 seconds. Did you, have you looked at it even? And I've seen people do that with paintings and everything. They just walk in front of it and go, this is crap. Go, I don't even know that you're seeing it. Have you opened your eyes? Have you asked yourself anything about it? You must wonder why it's at the museum. Because the people are easily fooled. Hmm. Who's more likely to be ignorant, really, in this situation? The person who's never seen this artist or painting before, or the people that have thought about it a lot? You know? And I, I don't need to be... Uh, right, and I don't need to have that feeling where I've just, I dropped out of the womb wise. And a lot of people think that, you know? I've got a BS detector. That's garbage. That's good. That's garbage. That's good. Garbage, garbage, garbage. Good, good. Nah. You know, that. I, I really feel if you got that many opinions, you're not spending any time thinking about anything. Because I've had opinions change back and forth on things about art or music, haven't you? Don't have you liked a piece of music and then you go, no, I don't like it. Well, now I like it again. Because maybe your experience has changed, your life's changed. We are dynamic creatures and our brains are dynamic. If you deprive yourself of that, you are freezing your poor brain and you're not going to be able to navigate the world very well. You're just going to encounter things that you think you hate. Because you haven't thought about it before. And that is the majority of things that are out there. They're going to be a surprise to you. And if you walk around thinking you know what's what already, that can be a fatal flaw. And by fatal, I mean you won't die. You'll just be miserable maybe. Or a menace to others. That happens too. My goodness. So quick to other and judge too. Is it hard to be tolerant? <laughs> yes. I'm not going to lie to you. You have to, you have to think about things a lot. Just like, like ethical problems aren't easy. And sometimes they don't have a really good, clear answer. And not to think about things because they don't have a black and white answer is ridiculous. Things change. Circumstances change. There's all sorts of nuance and you really are a coward or a weak thinker if you don't realize that. And, and I, I bet you even know that in certain circumstances, you just don't use it in your life in general sometimes. So I, I just encourage you to certainly not other. It's, gosh, if there's, if you're thinking to yourself, I wish I could, you know, I, that group of people would, die or something check yourself and that is a hell of a thing to to release into the world and you know there's a reason we bury our poo and if you come into my camp and you just keep pooing in the river uh you, you know you have really misunderstood something essential about life and I feel that way about othering people. You are, uh, you're really missing the point, and you're going to get us all killed. There's <laughs> a lot of a lot of boat uh, tipping prevention in the in my words. Always, I love y'all, but I also don't want, you know, don't please don't crash the vessel, because I'm not driving it. You know, there's so many of us. And uh, please don't don't crash it, especially with with ignorance or blindness. When you could just open yourself up to this world, which is crazy, boy, it's it's awful and wonderful. And it the problem is is time, and it tends to vacillate between the awful and wonderful. And so I just got to promise you that maybe there's going to be, you know. A wonderful again and why don't you just hold on to me so you don't fall or hold on to something you know it doesn't even have to be real hold on to something just cling 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 like a cling uh when there's cling sheets i know they're supposed to be cling free cling 
Okay, hear me out. It's cling to it like there has never been a fabric softener sheet in your life. Those things are the devil, by the way. Ban those from your household. Fabric softener sheets, all they do is wax your clothes. All they do is put a film. Why would you want that? You go, oh, now my clothes smell like a candle. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. They feel softer. They don't feel soft. They feel coated. Now they're all slimy. <coughs> Pardon me. It's like my beagle. I said, oh, you're so soft. You know, beagle's not soft. He's oily. So there, there you go. Don't put that, don't turn your wardrobe into a, a scented beagle. And that might have been an absurd thing. Oh, bless you. You bless me. How? By your attention. Well, if you give another human being your attention, you give them a great gift. Oh, my gosh. Pay attention to somebody to be heard. You know, to be listened to, to be taken seriously. Oh, that can be a great gift. And I know I crave it sometimes and or all the time. And I know that you do, too. Not me. Not talking to you. Talking to me? Maybe. I don't know who I'm talking to. <laughs> you know, there is a chance, at this moment right now, there's a chance nobody will hear what I'm saying. There's always that chance. Since I have to record that. Now, I recorded just before. So, I mean, I, I do that so I'm not, you know. So I don't say things like, I hope no, nothing ever happens to Fred Willard. Uh, and then I think I was talking about him right before he passed away. And I thought, did I, you know, now you're going to know that the show is dated or it's, you know, uh, not live or something. Um, but I hope not. It's not, am I, am I wrecking it for you? Because y'all know I live far away. I live in, in the, uh, I don't live in New Jersey. I do in my heart. You know that. You know I'm in New Jersey in my heart. Oh, I love you. I love you, North Jersey. I love you, uh, New York City. Not all of you, you are all of the New York City, and and not all of North Jersey. But you know who you are, and little pockets here and there, are wonderful to me and the people. And uh, I don't care how difficult you are, or what your problem is. I really do love you. Uh, everybody is annoying. Don't let them fool you. It's not just you. People put up with it. It, it. it has to do with your station, too. You know, annoying people. Sometimes people kiss up to important or rich people, and they kind of overlook their annoying. Now, you and I don't make enough money uh, to have that immunity to annoying people. So we're just straight up. You go, I don't remember. Why am I friends with Hardy again? Um, but I'll, well, I won't be when I get new or better ones. I don't even mind that. Oh, what if I was a training friend? Start with me and then move on. Do you answer email? Sometimes I do. I try not to make a habit of it. I do. I acknowledge it. But I try not to answer because I get all, uh, um, makes me nervous. I want to say, and I don't. Uh, then I go to sleep thinking, did I answer that? Or did I, I'm not saying don't write. I'm just saying if I have to write, if I have to write back more than, uh, than oh, it's wonderful you're blessing me, sometimes I get nervous and I don't know what to say. Or I think I've done it. That happens too. I compose something in my head and then I'll forget to actually do the thing and it makes me think, feel seem uh, thoughtless. And I'm not thoughtless. I'm just thought-ish. Uh, or something I can't I don't fully think my grandfather who I loved and who loved me said some really hurtful things to me when I was young and I didn't realize but he used to and he was trying to motivate me you know how old timers were when they ugh, I, this doesn't work with kids by the way don't do this but like making them feel in, insulting them or making them feel lesser as a way of of you know Invo uh, inspiring the kid to go, I'll show them. It doesn't work. It usually just, you know, if it's an adult saying it and you're a kid, a lot of times you think, oh, I guess grandpa's right. I don't have any common sense and I have a brain like a sieve. So he was frustrated that I couldn't, that my concentration wasn't great. And, and uh, 
you know, they would say you don't have common sense or you don't, you know, your, your, your mind is not, you can't remember things or, and uh, I know he loved me and he was good to me and everything, but he was, he was frustrated because he didn't think I was, I could be, he thought I could be smarter or something. And, uh, and it was really discouraging to me because I really trusted him. And, and if he said that I had no common sense, I guess that was something I didn't have. I, how do you go and get it? You know, it felt like somebody, something you're born with. And go, well, I guess I don't have this essential, natural occurring thing that can't be learned. Uh, so I guess I'm doomed or something. And uh, I under, you know, I don't know whether I underachieved in school or whether I was legitimately stupid. Because I would just, I would get discouraged very quickly. And then I had teachers say, you can't do math. And I'd say, okay. I mean, you're the expert. If a teacher tells you you can't do something, who am I to argue? And I've never been the type who's like, I'm going to prove you wrong. That just seems, first of all, that seems crazy. And it seems like the mindset of, of comic book villains. I'll show them. I'll show them. I saw somebody go on a, um, one of those uh, Jerry Springer or something back in the day. And it was this guy who had been bullied. And he was confronting his bully, but he had spent the last, you know, 10, 15 years getting in shape and being a bodybuilder. So he came on and he's like, you used to bully me, but now look at me, I'm a bodybuilder. And the bully was just a kind of a, you know, slovenly, crappy looking person said, I don't care, you're still stupid. And it was, it was the most awful thing. You know, this bully got in this guy's head and he let him live there for like a decade. And he thought somehow I'd be proving him wrong or something. That you don't have to prove anything to this dunder bluger. That's, you know, uh, my gosh, the stuff we put into each other and, and children. And it's mostly like we do it to each other as children, too. Other children can, can break your spirit. So I'm saying, I think you're... I think you're great. I have to think you're great, or it means that I'm not. And I'm going to go ahead with I'm okay. You know, I've learned that I am okay. And I am, you know, so I'm not a university professor. So I'm not a, a genius or something. So I'm not whatever. I can take care of myself. Well, I can't. But I mean, I kind of can. I can and I can't. But you know what I mean. I mean, I uh, there's things I can do. So... There you go. So you you can too. What are you saying? You're better than me? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. I hope so. Oh, I love you. There's not, I don't lose anything by uh, saying I understand your struggle or I love you. Or I, I don't. I lose nothing, and I gain nothing either, which is great. Because I think if I gained something, I would keep trying to gain it. But this weird radio show i don't even know i don't know what i'm supposed to do or say so every week i come on and i think maybe i'm just here because you're lonely and because you feel you know like you'd like to think about something else for a while or you'd like to expand your imagination you'd like to be mildly entertained but not so much that you can't also make supper Oh, I bl you bless me. I bless sending blessings out to you. Oh, I hope you heal in heart and body and spirit and mind. I help you able to help yourself and help others. I help you make the world a more peaceful, beautiful place, and that we uh, we we nurture uh, the 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 small and the and the and the weak, and uh, and we're always there to to protect and to help. You are listening to WFMU East Orange. This, first of all, it's Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. On WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County in New York City, New York. Or online at WFMU.org worldwide. Freeform Radio, the way it was free when it was formed. As the radio. See you again next week. Sorry I didn't have enough time for the intro. That happens.
Twins' name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. 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 Twins' name was Ebony. Wow, <laughs> it's